we tried to describe what happened last night between the Hornets and the Timberwolves. Cat goes for 60, but the Hornets still win. It's all today. Locked on Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, in a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And that includes YouTube. Real quickly, today is uh, brought to you by FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on WFNZ celebrating the Hornets win from last night, 12 to 3 p.m. every weekday on Wesson Walker. And there's Doug Branson. If you watch him on YouTube, if you check him out on everyhornetsboxscore.com, that's his substack. It was a happy substack last night. You can also see him wearing the big dub hat, which this is what the big dub hat was made for. This is what got you to get the piece of construction paper, cut a big old W and put it on an antennae hat. This is why we do it. When you beat the Western Conference top overall seed at the moment, when you beat Anthony Edwards, who's playing like a madman, and shh, people are saying he resembles a certain someone. Shh, we won't mention his name. And then Cat goes for 60 and you spoil it. That's why you don the hat. And I appreciate you bringing it out immediately. Hornet! win oh my god what an amazing win what is what a time to be alive what a time to be a hornets fan what a time to be a sicko this game was absolutely disgusting it was for all of the sickos and walker i've got so much sicko content i posted something on the community page on youtube ask for people's uh, favorite moments to brave sicko thoughts, and I just want to share them throughout the show. This this needs to be a sicko-driven show because against all of the odds, despite so many things going against the Hornets, they managed to get this win in Minnesota against the best team in the better conference. And I'm going to start with Retro Default 7913, who said, that B Millie step back midi in mini as we got a winnie got me feeling lucky like landing heads on a penny. Boom! Let's Whoa. go. That is that is the best. Is that the best text you've ever received? Has to be. Context, rhyming. It's all Left me fantastic. Satisfied. That was. That was <laughs> you're getting swiggy with it. After a winnie in mini, you're getting swiggy. Uh yeah, let's uh go over some of this. Like, I don't where do you want to start? So, so it can be sicko driven. You have the sicko satchel. You are the keeper of the sicko comments. You are a sicko yourself. Where do you want to start here, Doug? I just want to go with cat going for 60 and how that contributed to a win. Where do you want to go? Well, I want to start with the word despite because I wrote that word many times in my opening salvo on every Hornets box score. I just want to read my opening paragraph because I think it really sets the context for this win, okay? The Charlotte Hornets pulled off a stunning defeat of the best team in the better conference despite one of their best players, Carl Anthony Towns, putting up a 62-point career-high scoring effort on 60% shooting and 10 made threes. They did it despite the fact that they played a team that plays with more skilled size in the league and the Hornets were without their starting center and their backup center due to injuries. They did it despite their star tandem of guards combining to shoot under 40% and only making one 
one Walker combined three-pointer between Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball. They did it despite being down 15 points going into the fourth quarter after losing the third quarter by 10 points. They did it despite giving up 18 three-pointers on 45% Minnesota Timberwolves shooting. It was incredible to watch that fourth so, quarter. So so if we if we go with Cat, okay, Cat scores 44 points in the first half. He gets fouled and hits one of his two free throws. Had a chance for 45. Had a chance for it a, a few times. But ends up with 44 in the first half. And then immediately hits the first bucket coming out of the locker room. So it looks like not only is Cat going to be shot hunting, which he was doing all game long, because, of course, this guy, this guy has 81 on the brain. He's got 100 on the brain. When you go for 44, you think, I can just continue to shoot over everyone. They're playing small ball. Even me, Cat, the guy that is criticized for being too soft all the time. Now I'm really aggressive. I can take it to PJ Washington. I can spin move Miles Bridges at the free throw line, and I can get to the basket whenever I want. Who's going to stop me? Nathan Minsa? No, it's going to be me shooting threes and getting to the basket whenever I want to. And then in the second half, after hitting the first bucket, he misses three shots in the third quarter. That's as many as he missed in the entire first half. And then Doug, I mean, you could see it. it. Every Minnesota possession for a while was going to end in a made field goal from Cat, a missed field goal from Cat, or a turnover. And a lot of them ended up in turnovers. <laughs> and if you heard Marlon Garnett, who was, it was a hilarious halftime interview with Marlon Garnett coming back out of the locker room with Ashley Shamity. Marlon is just kind of laughing, saying, we got to make it harder on him. We can't just tee him up for three-point no. shots. But then he said, we have to look at the bright side. He did have five turnovers in the first half. So maybe we can force some more. And that's what happened. Because everybody else was starting to be more efficient. Any any possession in the second half, un until you got to the fourth quarter, and then they just started to you know pee themselves like the puppy in Phoenix. What happened was... <laughs> Bad <Carl boy>. Anthony. <laughs> so everybody else was shooting well. Everybody else was getting open looks. But it was it was Cat's time. They were up twenty. Of course, they were going to win. They were up like seventeen. It's not close enough. And then the Hornets got hot. And then they started making three after three after three. And you know they they found a way to come back. You're right. That was a gross, sick game. I I, I had zero words how to describe that thing. Well, Chris Finch, head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, he was the upset owner of a bad puppy. He was getting the spray bottle out. He had the newspaper. He was calling them disgusting. Uh, it was amazing to eat all of these Minnesota Timberwolves tears. I want to read two things from the sickos that leads me into this cat discussion. Cat scores 62. This is from J. Cub Mitchell, 8808. Cat scores 62, and the big bad wolf's house still gets blown down. Laughing, crying emoji. And this from Paz Mello, who says, Hot take, we could have won this game by a lot more if we had actual centers playing tonight. Here's the thing, Paz Mello. I don't think you're correct. I think had they had legitimate centers on the floor, Cat never gets anywhere close to the 44 he scored in the first half. He doesn't have 81 on the brain on the anniversary of Kobe's 81 against the Raptors, January 22nd. He doesn't think about all of that, and it mm -hmm. doesn't lead to what happened, which was the, war the, the Wolves completely losing focus on what they needed to do to actually win the game, which in mm -hmm. my opinion was give it to Rudy Gobert, who had P.J. Washington and Nathan Mensah on him. I mean, every time he was 6-for-6. Six six. He needed to be 12-for-12. 12 12. Every time he touched the ball, it was going to go in. 
And and they just didn't do it because they were focused. Everyone was focused on getting Cat his, and and the game completely fell apart on them. So I think if they actually had their centers playing, <laughs> it wouldn't have turned out very well. Well, and it's also that's a great defensive team. Their their offense is oh, actually yeah. the thing you worry about as far as an NBA Finals contender. They're early twenty, or I think they're low twenties in offensive efficiency and defensive rating. They're fantastic. Rudy Gobert is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and so they lose their identity in this game. They allow a hundred and twenty eight points to the Charlotte Hornets, Doug. And this is the second straight game, or this is the second time in three games where they get to 120 and that's of course because of LaMelo Ball the one game they didn't get to 120 it was when LaMelo didn't play so LaMelo he just he is a 30 to 40 point difference offensively I think that's it's it's crazy to say that but he is defensively you might give up more points but clearly they are a better basketball team when he's out there on the floor and then Minnesota their identity just vanishes because now it's it's everything is about getting cat towards 80 points and the Hornets did enough shot making too in the first half right LaMelo finished with 11 in the first half Miles got going in this game didn't hit a lot from distance but he was aggressive he was trying he to started too. well he, he yeah. started he yeah. was he was no, red hot from three to start the game well, and that's then what kind I was of faded the first half yeah 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 so in the first half that's where he was able to set himself a foundation and it was enough to go get the win in the second half you you got some more thoughts or you want to move on well, just one more thing on Carl uh, Anthony Towns and the context around this game. And then I think in the second segment, I really want to dig down into the heroes, the Hornets heroes of this game. And there were many. I mean, this took a full team effort down, down all the way down the bench. This was one of the rare performances uh, from the Hornets bench uh, that that was uh, e- even even moderately good. I mean, they have been generally a negative. I mean, you would take a neutral bench at this point. This is actually a positive bench performance. They beat, uh, and obviously, I mean, Cat scored, you know, sixty plus. You're, you're not going to have a lot of bench points, but the Hornets beating the Wolves in bench points, I think, was significant. But the thing about the Carl Anthony Towns deal is that Chris Finch tried to take him out of the game. You know, and, and and cool the team off and like try to refocus the team. And as soon as he goes back in there, they reverted completely back to it. Anthony Edwards comes into this game. He was sick. You know, it was a threat not to play at all. Decided to play. And then I think as soon as Cat got it going, Anthony Edwards was like, "All right, I'm not feeling well anyway, so I'm just going to distribute." Mm-hmm. You know, and so you didn't have to deal with the Anthony Edwards scoring threat, which kind of tricked the Hornets a little bit. Part of why Cat got his so well in the first half is because the Hornets were doubling Anthony Edwards as hard as they could, and it was opening up Cat and a lot of other players, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker had a ton of open threes in the corner. And finally, when when Anthony Edwards decided, all right, I'm not going to shoot through these doubles, I don't feel well, then the Hornets finally were like, all right, we don't have to double him as hard. Then in the second half, they focused on Cat and were able to slow him down. So just... Incredible, incredible stuff. But I want to talk about that fourth quarter because it was amazing. All right, let's do it. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Don't do it. We'll talk more about the fourth quarter because it was amazing. And we'll talk about some of the plays and the details that go into the win for the Hornets, despite, despite Cat going for over 60. That's coming up next.
As I mentioned before, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is done. The stage is set for conference championship weekend, and you can still get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is easy to use, too. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the parlay hub that's the most popular way to find your parlays and you can even do more than that visit fanduel.com slash locked on make your first bet a layup if you decided to get your bet in on the charlotte hornets last night despite being a 14 and a half point dog i know you were sweating it in the third in the third quarter i know you were sweating but then you ended up winning big time if you did put the money in on the charlotte hornets i'm not saying i advise it anymore i'm not telling you that but I'm glad you got your money last night. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and the official partner of Bet the Buzz, if, even if they don't know it. More to come. Lockdown Hornets. Doug, it's the second segment. I'll ask you this question to lead us off here. Where do you want to start in the fourth quarter? So many things to get to, and so I will allow you and the sickos to drive this segment as well. Well, you got a fourth quarter efficient, effective offensive performance from nearly everyone. They were moving the basketball, 11 assists to the Wolves three, uh, completely different than what you saw against Philly when the offense, the offensive execution completely fell apart in a game that they were also in. And uh, they went 6 of 10 from 3 as well. And and again, the, the bench performances, as I mentioned in the first, you had JT Thor in the third quarter with a Thorner 3. He began the fourth quarter with a Thorner 3. They have not had any, really any three-point shooting from him all season. Nick Smith Jr., monster three-point shots. Wide open, but he knocks them down. And that's been a struggle for the Hornets all season is to get wide open shooters to just make the shot. And, and NSJ hit two huge ones. One of them uh, was uh, the bucket that gave them the lead. Uh, I mean, you could just go down the list of players uh, and, and, and say something they did great in that fourth quarter. You're, you're and, so and, right. Yeah. And, including LaMelo, who was, I mean, it, it wasn't just a bench. It was the starters, too. LaMelo was dealing. Terry hit the midi. Brandon Miller, oh, my God. The mid-range shot that Brandon Miller hit over Anthony Edwards, tight defense from Anthony Edwards, and it came after four Hornets passed up a shot. A decent look. They were shot faking, getting a decent look, rotating the ball. It finally got to Brandon. Brandon said, I'm going to take it. He's fearless, man. He's fearless. Oh, so So Brandon Miller, his scoring was divvied up pretty evenly through each quarter of this game. And in the fourth quarter, as you mentioned, he had five points going two of three, had the crazy mid-range jump shot, which everybody, like I was getting texts saying, oh, okay, this guy is for real, which of course we knew that, but that was the shot everybody was excited about. Also hit a big old three-point shot, couple assists, grabbed a rebound. As you go down the list, P.J. Washington, who was not involved offensively, it's not like he missed a ton of shots. He just wasn't really involved in, t- in, in taking many shots at all hits a couple of monster threes, too. And that flurry of threes that they had, inching, inching, inching closer. P.J. Washington hit a couple of big buckets. And then you see Nick Smith Jr., as you mentioned, yeah, hit a couple of threes as well. And so when you look at the beginning of the fourth quarter, when Eric Collins at the end of the third gave us a tease, he said the Hornets have a shot, which, of course, he's going to say that. But he was right. He said they're going to have a shot. And then so that initial five that comes out, it's your starters basically plus 
Nick Smith Jr. and JT Thor, who are also in there, they're a plus 13. They go on a 21-7 run to set the stage for that final comeback. 21-7 plus 13. And the guys that are in for Minnesota, it's Cat playing a bunch. It's Rudy Gobert. It's Jaden McDaniels, their defensive stopper. And then they had Shake Milton and Jordan McLaughlin. So they kind of did the same thing with the Hornets where they had a couple of bench players in there. Hornets won those minutes and then they eventually win the game because they just kept kept trying to force feed Cat. And you're right with Rudy. Rudy was getting opportunities off of the offensive glass and then he would just tip it in. That was because he's just bigger than everybody by like a foot. And it, it ended up going the Hornets way because so many different players got involved. You're right. Like everybody deserves some love here. JT Thor defensively, there were a couple Two of blocks, defensive One of them on Cat in the fourth quarter. Crazy. Crazy to see it happen. Leaky Black. Yeah. We just got a sudden appearance from Leaky Black. What an adjustment from from Steve Clifford to say, all right, I'm going to get some length on the floor here. My my centers aren't aren't, you know, uh, really being able to be effective. So I'm just going to get some more length on the wing. 4 minutes and 41 seconds of action for Leaky Black. 7 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. <laughs> and the and the game ceiling free throws or at least it put put them up 3 forced uh cat to to heave one up that that airballed so many things to choose from i mentioned the nsj stuff uh the thor defense the leaky black uh minutes and ish smith um some mid-range play in the first half in the middle of this game that i thought everything was about just staying close enough to minnesota and i thought the play of the game i'm going to be crazy here the play of the game and i know i'm biased because i am the president of the more thor movement but it was Thor's corner three at the end of the third quarter, and I'll tell you why. Chris Finch takes Cat out of the game, and the and the Wolves immediately start playing better because they're not force feeding it to Cat. Yeah, they're moving exactly. the ball. They're getting it to Rudy Gobert. They're dominate. They start to dominate the Hornets. They start to pull away. If this thing is twenty points going into the fourth quarter, the Hornets don't win this game. And and I think his corner three to make it fifteen was significant because it made it close enough. That when Cat got back in, that he had that Chris Finch had to put Cat back in the game, and once he got back into the game, he started hunting again. So, play the game. Well, and so JT Thor continuing to talk. I, I don't want to focus too much on Thor because there are other heroes in this game. <laughs> I do. He, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know we're back, do. baby. I, I know you. I know you do because you're a sicko. Uh, yeah, the the three point shot that he hits. I was he hit one against Philadelphia, but he had only hit two other three pointers this month. He'd only hit one. In the entire month of January. And so if you go to his season total, I mean, he's he's got to have like not even 10 on the season. And and that's what I mean, he keeps taking them. But yeah, I, I, he, he probably has a little more than 10. But the, the point may, is made that he doesn't hit a lot of those shots. Yeah, it, let's just focus a little bit more on Brandon Miller before we move on here, Doug. This is the third straight game where Brandon has come alive in a monster way. This is after he falls on the NBA rookie ladder. This is where he's nowhere to be found in the top 10. It was a rough go. He had been sick. He had been battling all sorts of different nagging injuries, whether it be, you know, more than nagging, a concussion or a neck injury, right? A concussion that he hit when he hit the floor against San Antonio the first time. He's been battling some ankle injuries here and there, but he was ready to go this week and and has gone for three straight 20-point performances. And the shot making from distance is crazy. He's getting out in transition and helping out a lot. Philly, you can't say this because LaMelo didn't play, but I do think Brandon Miller not having to be primary ball handler right now where it's LaMelo again, and then you also have Terry, that matters a ton. 
And the fact that you're putting Brandon in a more comfortable spot and he's delivering in a monster way, that's what allows us to have the fun shot making and even the alleyways for him to get to the rim every once in a while, especially in transition because he's out there running and we knew that. So what more can you say? Like Brandon, he's here for it. That That's the number one quality we know is going to translate is that he's here for every single moment and he's been showing up since game one of his NBA season. Yeah, Brandon Miller, I, I don't think he was ever officially diagnosed with a concussion. His head hit the floor pretty okay. hard, but um, I would have certainly seen Tweety Birds, but I think they they stuck with the lower back injury no, that enough. he was dealing with. And then, of course, yeah, he got sick, hip flu. Um, so he's battled a couple of things, a couple of ankle situations. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, the right. hip flu, yeah. So um, here's the thing on Brandon Miller. You're right. Not being primary ball handler, he's so good when he's catching it on the wing with a little room to run because then he can get the defender on the back foot and then he can pop up for the mid-range shots. What he did to Anthony Edwards, he did it to Gobert a few times. But it's not just that. He has step back three over Gobert's long arms, like he's using his God-given length to create space against players he has no business hitting or that normal players wouldn't have any business shooting over. He's immediate when he gets the when he catches it on the DHO off the side pick and roll side pick and roll or side DHO situations, he's he immediately goes up with it. Here's the thing that's impressed me most about Brandon Miller over these past three games. I think he's played with the most strength and physicality that he has all season long. He was, look, he's not going to push many centers around in the league. Gobert presented him that opportunity, and he was physical with Gobert going after rebounds. That's what you love to see. He was physical in this game. He was seeking out contact. He was trying to get to the free throw line, and you know they gave him a few calls. They couldn't give LaMelo a call, but they gave Brandon Miller a few calls. Uh, just super impressed with what he's doing right now. And, you know, again, Everything is is a learning experience for him, and he learns so quickly. And you just have to be excited about what he's going to give you the rest of this season and into next season as well. Well, and and so if we were to go to some of the things we were worried about with Brandon Miller coming from the college game to the NBA game, one of the things that I was worried about was him getting a shot off because it is a low release, and he would get his three-point shot blocked at Alabama every once in a while. But what we're seeing here, and it's just – adapting because he's such a smart basketball player. He is getting that shot off with some of the step backs that he's shooting. And if you shoot it over Rudy Gobert, then that's like the ultimate test. That's <laughs> that feels like you get past glass. Joe, he just faced Mike Tyson last night and trying to get that shot off. And he was able to do it over the defensive player of the year, the stifle tower, the guy that blocks a million shots and protects the rim better than anybody in the NBA. Yeah, Brandon's able to do that. So the fact that you have that in your bag and you've been able to adapt halfway through the season, it's great. And I he'll continue to do so. Yeah, because look, he's pretty much zero threat to go all the way to the rim. But he yeah. has proven over this time enough to show up on a scouting report that he is a serious threat from mid-range. Yep. And to be a serious threat from mid-range, it obviously means you're knocking down shots but it also means you're making great decisions with the ball in your hands, meaning you're going up for the shot when you've got it and you're open, and you're also passing it when you're not open when they send a, a, an extra guy, which teams have sent an extra guy at Brandon Miller when he has been the primary scorer this season. And so when that shows up on the scouting report, that is going to filter down, and guys are going to respect that mid-range and th meaning that it's going to open up a little bit of space for you at the three-point line if you have the skill, like Brandon Miller does, to get to that step back and effectively knock down the shot. 
Um, yeah, all, all the respect in the world for what Brandon Miller did. 11 of 13 in this game, 3 of 4 from 3, only took four three-point attempts, 27 points, three rebounds, two assists, one steal. Great. Mm-hmm. Great game. One more segment to go. Let's hit it. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll get through our final uh, observations, and Doug wants to have a sound bite off. Eric Collins was in his bag last night, as you would expect. This is the one. Can you imagine if Eric Collins was sick for this game? Thank God. Thank God it didn't happen. I know you can. Thank God it didn't happen. He was here, and we got some incredible sound. We'll play it in the last segment. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, and it's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. That's it. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. Now, you don't have a lot of time to be able to do this, but you still have a little bit of time with conference championship weekend uh, being here after the divisional round. So if you want to play with Travis Kelsey, who's still rolling, go to the receptions. You can go with over receptions there, 10 and a half combo, maybe paired with a three pointer LeBron James. If you want to do that, that is available to you. And prize picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sport platform with an injury insurance policy go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 again go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to 100 one more segment to go locked on hornets so doug we give all of the players love especially in the fourth quarter what they were able to do there everybody hit their shots incredible terry came alive in the fourth quarter again and he's been a clutch player his entire time really in charlotte had six points hit a few field goals he was big not very involved in the offense though early Hmm. yeah yeah, playing playing like somebody maybe his maybe his mind was elsewhere maybe it was in south beach this thing is ramping up that this this feels doug like it's time feels like it's the time that mitch kupchak is going to actually do something in the middle of the season and it's not to acquire more talent which we've wanted to do for the most part we've wanted to try to win with Lamelo here we want to try to make your star happy but also really go for it and compete in a playoff series get out of the play-in tournament get to a playoff series and compete as much as they possibly could. And they haven't done it. They traded for Montrez Harrell. I like the trade. I thought it was good, um, but he's gone after like half a season. And now it feels like you might just see Mitch Kupchak do something here, Doug and Terry Rozier might just be on up out of here. And it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that he's going to Miami. You know, I, I wonder about the Knicks because the Knicks do have first round picks that they could deal. And, I know, I know. I'm just telling you. Wait, wait, why do we have to have this conversation right now? I just want to live. I want to live in the joy (sighs) of what happened last night. I want to live in what Terry has given this team. Oh, these many years. Um, And and I just 
Like, I feel like, because look, I, I was prepared to come in and not only talk about that, but there are a lot mm-hmm. of trade rumors floating around Miles Bridges all of a sudden, even though there yeah. are some hurdles to making that happen. There's enough, uh, there, there's enough chatter around multiple teams that I think it's actually more realistic than it's ever been that that Miles were to get moved. And this win would happen, by the way, right now. Like <laughs> this win, which really could trick a team into thinking that uh, they've got a shot to make a run. It's certainly for the sickest of us. It's tricking us. I mean, we've got Cole Gutch here saying, my sicko thought, now that the Hornets have won two out of the past three games, is it safe to start talking playoffs? I love what? it. Yeah, uh, so you, if you, look, if it's tricking sickos, you know it's tricking Mitch Kupchak, who wants to believe so much that the core that he has built, um, if they were just healthy enough, could actually compete. So it'll be interesting um, to see what, what happens there. And I know you and David are going to talk about that extensively um, tomorrow, but I want to talk about Eric Collins because this man just won an award and then he missed a game because he was sick and now he's back hundred percent healthy and he sounded like it. He has, ha- he has not had a lot because look in seasons past, especially that 43 uh, win season, you know, he would show up all the time on my timeline from people that were just like, who is this guy in Charlotte? You know, it's when I think it's when he really burst on kind of to the national scene. We knew what EC was about. Uh, but it was that team and how exciting they were offensively that gave him so many opportunities to make crazy calls. And he has just been sitting like a dormant volcano, ready to explode these past two injury-filled seasons. And boy, did he. It was Mount St. Helena last night. It was crazy. And there were two calls in particular that I loved. And I wanted to have a little soundbite off and see what you thought about these two calls, which, which of these two calls you think is the best, and then maybe put a poll on YouTube. <laughs> Are you okay. ready for the first one? Yeah, uh, just two things. One, it's funny because I'm not going to spoil it. I immediately know what sound bites you're going to go with because they were great. I do think you just combined a, a volcano with the capital of Montana and went Maybe. Mount St. Helena. Maybe. Um, Ma- Mount St. Helens, I think, is the volcano that you meant to reference. I- but I'll look it up. Montana St. Helens. Anyways, yep, play the sound. I'm ready for oh, it. Oh, you're right. You're right. Anyway, here's uh, here's the first sound. <laughs> Eric Collins calling a 40-foot three-point shot from Carl Anthony Towns. No! No! He lost it. We've seen it before, and this is when we had Eric Collins on a couple of years ago. (laughs) When we were debating, when it was like after a Miles Bridges dunk, where he just, was it him just letting out some big ball of energy and just saying words or saying just some kind of sound that was deep within him? Or was he actually saying something? And Eric clarified that for us. And so we've heard this a couple of times. I don't know about that, though. Uh, you're, You're watching... A historic first half performance just to let the people know it's the the most points scored in the first half since I believe the 96 97 season in the NBA it was that long since we've seen anybody go for 44 points in the first and this is off the heels of Joel Embiid going for 70 and everybody else tuned into the Hornets and Timberwolves game everybody was watching because they wanted to see Cat go for something crazy and then they eventually lose, which was phenomenal. And Eric Collins was feeling all of it. Yeah, well, this is this is Eric Collins in his sickest form. This is fruit salad. This is his version of fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. No! No! 
He's just like, like how how do the Hornets always they catch the LeBron sixty? They've caught uh, a Jason Tatum fifty burger. I remember him doing a similar thing like this when Zach Levine had fifty plus against the Hornets, and he was just three after three after three, and then you heard. Oh, no, the, the Hornets are most susceptible to 60. We've seen Carmelo go for it. We've seen LeBron go for it. We've seen Kyrie. I, I think one of the most impressive offensive performances I've ever seen, I think Kyrie went for over 50 on 19 shots one time. I mean, it was something crazy. He just, he didn't take many. And just just for reference here, you see Cat score on score 60 on like what was it did he get 40 shots up i think it was like 41 maybe something like that and um and and Kyrie went for 19 uh in shot attempts on 50 so yes we've seen this before and at least we like do we make amends a little bit for Kemba's 60 point performance being ruined <laughs> because Philadelphia that's the one thing that we can't stand Jimmy Butler for that dude is cold we know how Jimmy Butler rides that dude is as cold as they come and he hit the game winner from distance where this is like very Dwayne Wade-esque. No! Of course, in the clutch. No! Yeah. It's Jimmy Butler making the three-point shot to win the game for Philly despite Kimba going for 60. Does this make amends for that whatsoever? Well, and I don't think that Kimba forced in that game. Oh, well, no, number one, the Hornets were the underdogs. Well, I mean, maybe he did, but that was that was okay. Like that was the thing that kept them in the game. It right, it wasn't like it, it hurt Minnesota. Right. Well, it wasn't like he had another weapon on this team, like like they they had Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert that had matchup advantages that you just were ignoring to go after a sixty point game. Yeah, no. So there was no sin involved with Kimball Walker going for 60. That was just horrible Hornets luck uh, that we've seen year after year. Um, and, you know, makes me feel like this. No! No! Actually, that's the sound I'll make if if nothing happens at the trade deadline. You will hear me okay. go like this. No! No! Okay, yeah, you keep you keep rolling with it. The only thing, okay, so, so Kimba, Cat went for 35 field goal attempts. Kemba went for 34 in that game that they lost in overtime to Philadelphia. And uh, he only hit six three-pointers, though. Cat hit 10, and Kemba did a lot of his work inside the arc. All right, you have another soundbite that we need to play. And then All right, so we've got, we've got the no, and here's the soundbite that I think could compete with it because it's so outrageous and absurd, and here it is. I love Leaky! <laughs> that was after Leaky was able to seal the game with a couple of free throws made. Not seal it, at I least just allow game. them to, yeah, be up three points at the end. This, this is a lot of people's favorite thing about Eric, though. It's him getting that excited over free throws. We've heard this, two beauties, right? This has become Eric Collins' thing. And so instead of giving us a beauty, he said, I love Leaky after he hit the I first. That was, after, that was the first free throw he hit, too, in that. It wasn't even after the second. <laughs> it's just like we haven't seen leaky black all season he plays four minutes and 41 seconds in this game and again seven points in less than five minutes and and three rebounds i mean he, you know it was an incredible uh bench performance from leaky but to get this I love leaky. i'll tell you one thing i went to go get this soundbite and i searched i went on to x and searched i love leaky oh yeah do not recommend do not. Yeah. I mean, I know when I tell you did not do it, you're going to do it. I would just say don't do it on a work computer. Mm -hmm. um, I love leaking. Just hear it. You don't got to look it up. <laughs>
Can, can I interest you though? Here's something hilarious. We can end on this. How many points do you think Nick Batum got in that game that Kemba scored 60? Uh, over under one, I'm going under. No, I, I think I'll, I'll say five to match his number. You should have stuck with the first one. He scored zero. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. All right, Nick, you got the win. You, you beat us this weekend, so I, I have to take one more shot. Yep. They were it. still paying him last season. This is the first season, yep. may I remind you, this is the first season that they've stopped um, paying Nick Batum. Here's my final thought on the game. Okay. This game was very exciting. This game gave us a lot of joy uh, and um, a lot of excitement, and I'm glad it happened. But I will say that the result did rob us of one conversation I was desperate to have, so desperate, in fact, that I bolded it in my Every Hornets box score to make sure we got to it because this, this happened in the third quarter when they were down almost 20, and I thought, okay, game over. <laughs> and this, this game robbed us of this conversation. Ashley Shahamidi on the broadcast bringing up the fact that Anthony Edwards used to eat three bags yes, of Flaming yep. Hot Cheetos a day and cut it back to one entire bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos for fitness reasons. <laughs> the celebrities, they are just like us. They are, yeah. It, it reminds me of Karan Butler's addiction to Mountain Dew and him talking about cutting that back. It's it's like he was addicted to something a lot more serious than Mountain Dew. And I'm glad Anthony Edwards is able to cut out Flaming Hot Cheetos of his life. Wasn't Flaming Hot in this game. Ant-Man, more like Can't-Man. Yeah, we'll end on that dismount. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. There's Doug Branson wearing the big dub hat. The biggest of dub hats that you could possibly wear. Go check out his work on his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Have a great rest of your day. I, I will be back with you tomorrow. 